Hey everyone, my name is Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And I'm Sarah Century. And welcome to another special episode of Make Ours Marvel, we like to call Not Comics. This is our 28th Not Comics special, where we, where we set the funny books aside and talk about their funny adaptations. You know, adaptations where they change the character's name and toss out the origin, throw out the supporting cast, and tell a series of episodes where... They're really nothing like the comics, but they still seem to get to the heart of the hero. So we're going to talk about the Japanese Spider-Man series. <laughs> yes. Oh, shoot. I think I watched the wrong thing. I watched the wrong thing, too. Can we talk about <laughs> The Incredible Hulk? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, that'd be better for me also. Oh, great, because I just recently watched The Incredible Hulk, it turns out. <laughs> As it happened, so did I. <laughs> So, yeah, we're going to talk about the um, the TV film that launched the series, The Incredible Hulk. And uh, it was titled The Incredible Hulk. I think this was the first of the series of Marvel TV films. I'm not sure. Uh, well, as we learned in our awesome Captain America coverage, it was bundled with that. But I don't know which one came first. Captain America was 79. January. Oh, okay. This is 77. This is 77. Okay. So I was uh, two. When this yes. came out. And yet somehow this was part of my childhood. So it must have been syndicated a billion times or something. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now I say that the Amazing Spider-Man TV series was also 1977. Uh, so I don't know. Well, uh, how was this? How could this be bundled with Captain? That was a big lie. The only information we found about that stupid red brown crap was that it was part of this, but I guess not. Two years later. Maybe it just took them a really long time to film <laughs> those like, highway oh. chases. I don't know. <laughs> but as bad as that was is as good as this was. Like, That's I, true. This is so much better. And the fact that they did this two years first means that they saw this, they saw how to do it, and then they made that red brown stuff, <laughs> which is really, really sad. They knew but better. Anyway. But they did it anyway. But they did it anyway. They didn't see the uh, the formula, I guess. <laughs> okay, so I just got my dates. Um, I should never say things with authority before I look it up. Oh, okay. um, so the Spider-Man TV show debuted in September of 77 at the beginning of the standard uh, season. Two months. Um, and this is a November film, followed by a second November film. And the season launches in the March of 78. Okay, so it's getting closer to Captain America. So maybe they are all bundled together. But Yeah, this was still on the air, of course, when Captain America came out. Yes. Because this went for like five seasons. All right, so um, quick side note before we get into The Incredible Hulk, just minor trivia. Mm-hmm. If you ever read the old Superman newspaper strips mm-hmm. um, from the dailies and the Sundays, which are all collected now, it's fantastic. Um, there's a story where Lois Lane is left uh, um, inheritance by her uncle, William Bixby. Oh. <laughs> so Bill Bixby is Lois Lane's uncle. Oh, my God. Just going to say that out there first. I don't know. That could be a stretch. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure that's related. <laughs> well, we could always call him and ask him if he had, except that we can't. Yeah. I remember hearing when I was a kid about him um, passing away. Bill Bixby? Oh, yeah. That was sad because he's awesome. He's pretty great. I even watched him in The Courtship of Eddie's Father back in the day somehow. All this must have been syndication because I wasn't old. I'm not that old. I'm old, but I'm not that old. So, like, this must have all just been reruns somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. We grew up with reruns. I guess we did. Same Same way I watched Adam West Batman. I wasn't around for the original version of that either, but it was always on. And we didn't have... 2000 channels so you just watched what came on i guess <laughs> i have three choices and i'm going to choose the incredible hulk <laughs> heck yeah i'm looking at bill bixby's career because i was yeah. just wondering if this is the only thing i've ever seen with him in he it had, so he had that other tv show about him raising his son that was for before this i think i don't know what else he was in though the one with the course of betty's father yeah yeah that was before this is uh, 1969 yeah just like David Banner is married to somebody named Laura for a time, Bill was married to someone named Laura. <laughs> ah. <laughs> this is meaningless trivia. Oh, so he was in My Favorite Martian. Oh, he wasn't the main guy in My Favorite Martian, was he? I don't 
don't know. I don't. That sounds familiar, but I don't know. They have his character in it. It's yeah, Uncle, Ray Walson is Uncle Martin, and Bill Bigsby is Tim O'Hara. So I never put the two together. Like I have vague mental images of my favorite Martian characters. I never realized that was a fifteen years younger Bill Bigsby. Okay. Wow. So I assume after this he was typecast because back then that's what happened to actors. They got typecast, <laughs> and he probably he played- didn't do much. <laughs> He played a cop on Blossom. <laughs> okay. So that's where, oh, that's where he ended up. Yeah. He did oh, some and- directing and executive producing also. So he, sure. was, he was on the other side of the camera. Mm-hmm. So he came back for Incredible Hulk movies in the late 80s. Oh, I yeah. had no idea that that happened. Guest starring Thor and Daredevil. What? And then, the the and trial of the Incredible Hulk. Yeah. Yeah. And the death of the Incredible Hulk. Wow. Incredible Hulk. And the first one was he meets Thor. And I can't remember what it's called. And it's really bonkers. But. Yeah, it's Incredible Hulk Returns. Yeah, Incredible Hulk Returns, and Thor was played by, um, oh my god, I don't remember that guy's name, but... The guy for Adventures in Babysitting? Yes, he didn't know. You wish. I wish. That would be Vincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> but uh, the Kingpin, actually. <gasps> but, you uh, don't... Really? The, yeah. Vincent D'Onofrio was, the, was Thor in Adventures in yeah. Babysitting? Yep. Oh my god. So he's done two Marvel movies, kind of, not really, but not movies, I guess. Well, it's on my list of things to do to go through this entire series with all of this reunion movies and everything, I just haven't ever done it. I, I've seen the entire first season. Yeah, that's what I did too. And then season two started off amazing. And then somehow I just dropped the ball and never finished. But now I kind of want to again after watching this pilot again. So let's um let's just rage about this pilot for a while. Um, I was – I. Re- the what the main thing I remembered about it going into it was how raw the opening act was, and so I like had to right. emotionally steal myself for it going in because it's it's a ride. It is through. It's got uh, what is it like Vaseline on the camera lens, like that, like hazy, <laughs> like memories. Dun, 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 uh-huh. dun. Everything's yeah, like, so amazing and sweet and wonderful. Yeah. She's like, they're having tea. <laughs> she signs his cast. There's romantic fire. There is like romantic fire, and then there's unromantic fire later. Yes, but... Oh, yes, and then unromantic fire later. And she gets that letter, and like you don't even know what it is, but it's like traumatic for her, and he's just there for her. And, and they're just married. And yeah, amazing. they're so married. Like the first, yeah. and this, oh, our favorite, Betty Ross. Just kidding. This is some lady named Laura. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And they, it's all just random scenes, but like it's a life. It's basically summing up a life that we never got privy to, other than these moments. Which, but it kind of works. They're like, here they are at a birthday party. Here they yeah. are at the grocery store. Like here, here, they here are. he is with a broken arm. How I don't know, but that just she's happens. taking care of him because yeah, they're married. Taking... It's really cute. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like the beginning of Up, but instead of yeah. dying of old age, she dies of she you know, dies tragedy. of horrible car crash. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so then she dies in a horrible car crash, um, which, you know, is sad. And then he's trying to pull her up the car, right? Like, he's, it's like, oh, the one thing I can't do, pull up a car. Right. <laughs> but guess what? Yeah, but that's like the whole plot, as opposed to uh, Russian not stopping the missile while he runs out to save a kid. <laughs> and then ends up turning into the Hulk. And then they end up in a rocket ship and they confront the gargoyle. But then they decide that the gargoyle is just as much of a monster as he is. So the gargoyle lets them go and the gargoyle blows himself up and they go back in the rocket and go back to the desert. I don't think that would work in this pilot. You know, if you're going, if you're, if you're going for pathos. <laughs> yeah. I you're, love, it's true. I love the changes in this because the Hulk is just like the FF and like Iron Man. They're just so wrapped in that stupid Cold War bonkers missile yeah. nonsense. And it's like you just I say you can't do that. But then Iron Man went and totally proved me wrong by being like completely faithful to the origins. But mm-hmm. I think in the case of Hulk, you kind of just have to do something else. And I really liked this idea that he kind of did it to himself because he was obsessed and and, uh, you know, made his wife's death kind of all about him. Yeah, <laughs> in a way, does. you know, like in a bad way. So like, you know, he uh, uh, handled it badly and this is what he gets. And now he's cursed for life, basically. And it's just <laughs> more interesting than saving a kid in a gamma bomb, I guess. Yeah, 
I would say that this was a pretty interesting. And then even though we uh, don't get Betty Ross, we do get Elaine, who is pretty cool in this movie. I she like is her. Awesome. Elaine is fantastic. <laughs> she is great. Her, she so is her really jokes great. are so funny. <laughs> she's she's, like, it's, she's every it's, time they look at each other, you can tell there's like bond and there's professional respect combined with like unspoken attraction and it's mutual but like no one's ever said anything probably because she respects him grieving for his wife and he you know is grieving for his wife and doesn't feel like he can move on and so there's there's just never been anything said but like you can see it these are really really good friends Mm -hmm. yeah i like their relationship and i like the fact that literally all she does is like speak in one-liners as if she were (laughs) she's like the only person who's his girl friday in this movie (laughs) like she just keeps (laughs) doing like jokes and everybody else is being very very serious i'm fresh out of lightning (laughs) but i think it's cool like it's 1977 we're talking here and they didn't just make her like some sex object for him or yeah, some or like for, super boring like, like or that but also they made her like legit as smart as him if not yeah. smarter sometimes and not like, just nominally like the head of the thing in captain america yeah. Yeah. yeah but like she actually was making suggestions that he hadn't thought of and you know whether she's smarter or as smart he was definitely the worst scientist in this pilot compared totally. to her like she yeah. was she the, was the first great. time you see her she's carrying a 10 pound print out of some computer report yeah and she's gonna have to pour through that code so like yeah you know, she's got a job of work ahead of her she she is a pretty especially well, for the time and, and it was her time. it was her idea to delve deeper into their dna and she found the do do wahiki in the dna that they all had in common blah 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 and then they she figured out that you know david had it too but like five times as much as a normal person and i love i love the little glow bulb dna model <laughs> oh my god yeah and, and like, like so the fact that they're they're giving you like little factoids, like while they're showing you DNA, <laughs> it would take 1 million of these to fill the head of a pen. <laughs> you're just we like... actually just discovered DNA last Tuesday. So we're going to talk <laughs> about it. Exactly. One of my favorite scenes with her is when he hulks out and escapes. And instead of her just cowering in the corner crying, she goes all science mode, gets up her recorder, starts observing every tiny thing she can observe about what's yeah. going on. Documented. And then, and then the only person in the history of the Hulk who confronts the Hulk correctly and and goes ASMR on him so that he freaking calms down as opposed to like, you know, screaming and trying to punch him or something like that and freaking him out. Right. So like, I don't know. I I thought she was a really awesome character. She is. And uh, Oh yeah. Go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say, and that great piano music we all know and love. That's her (laughs) theme. It's her theme. In case y'all didn't notice the first time you hear it is when they touch each other's hands on the glass. And he says he really appreciates her. For all her help. Oh my god. You, that that piano that? kicked in. I love, Oh, sorry. I love her a lot. And yeah, I thought that at the beginning it was really funny because he tries to send her for coffee or something. And then she just uh-huh. like looks at him and he's uh-huh. just like, uh, I'll I'll go. Like, never that. mind. I'll go. And then she's like, I'll take a do-, or yeah, he's like, I'll just get us donuts or something. Yeah, yeah. It's just like her whole look was just like great in that moment. I was like, this would not happen in a lot of things today. Like the, uh, this right. character is pretty good. Like she definitely, you know, the movie does her dirty in some ways, but overall I'm going to say that I had a lot of fun watching her and she was a delight. Like every time she was on the screen, she was definitely really good. So I was like, all right, all right. I like this. I think that that was what made me like this movie so much was, is that Elaine also David Banner has just this like, that presence of kind mm-hmm. of sadness all of the time. Like he just looks sad. Through the he, entire he, is a puppy, he is a puppy dog. He is yeah. sad and he is kind of jerky, but he always pulls it back and, and redeems himself. He does. You know? Yeah. Like at He's some point he'll, right? he'll be like, Oh, I want to do this. And I'm Mr. Grumpy pants. But then he'll be like, okay, you know what? I really appreciate that. You're helping me. And I'm sorry. I'm wigging out. Well, um, I yeah. think part of that is to establish that he's a good man and has a good control on his temper, but he does have a temper. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a definitely an anger and intensity inside him so that later on, whenever he's really frustrated about everything going wrong and the car and the storm and the tire, it's believable that he's just getting that pissed off. Did you guys ever watch Dharma and Greg back in the day? I have heard of Dharma and this Greg. This is oh. not the first time Dharma and Greg has come up today in my life. <laughs> well, she she plays the mother in Dharma and Greg. And if you've ever watched that show, she's a snooty, rich, arrogant, hilarious, 
you know, older lady. So it was yeah. kind of interesting. To, like as soon as she was on the screen, I was like, oh, that's Dharma and Greg mom. But then she acted nothing like that. So it took me five seconds to get over it. But wow. The she's la- a pretty the, great actor. The other time um, Dharma and Greg came up for me, it was because we were talking about Can't Hardly Wait, the <laughs> 90s oh, movie. Uh-huh. And she's in it. Uh, she oh, yeah. like She's the hooker. She is a stripper and she oh, stripper. That's right. Yeah. Uh dresses like an angel in it and yeah, it's pretty she just great. randomly shows up, counsels him. <laughs> yeah. I was I was just thinking about what it must be like to be on a set of like teen actors whenever you're like 10 or 15 <laughs> years older than them and you're like the only one. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> I, I have a feeling everybody in that movie was not teenagers but hey <laughs> they were all like 28 28 like, hello i'm 16 i'm a junior like in, in high school it's like in riverdale whenever you're like a 25 year old actress who just did a strip tease on a pole and it's, you're next seeing you're surrounded by 15 year olds because you're at school actually it mm. is so funny to watch that though because they use teenagers as extras and so like the background is all actual teenagers and none of the actors <laughs> look like them there is like oh these guys look like they're like 30 um compared to mm-hmm. these actual teenagers that they're right. standing next to anyway once again i digress <laughs> um okay so we have um lauded elena uh what were some things that you didn't like so much about how they handled her sarah well um she doesn't survive right she's right the, the end of the film is basically her just going going out um, and it's totally fridging. Like it is a hundred percent fridging. There's no reason to kill her other than emotional impact at the end. Okay. You know, uh, really? I don't know, but I don't not know either. I'm not sure. I kind of knew this conversation was going to come up the fridging <laughs> thing, but it's like, what exactly constitutes fridging? Cause every well, time a supporting female character dies, is that fridging? Well, let's, it's fridging let's, let's if explore. it's just like pointless, right? Like, but is it, it pointless? In this, I mean, did you think it wasn't pointless? Well, it motivates him, or it makes him think he's a murderer, and it puts him on the run for the rest of the show. Right. And, and but that's you like, know, he it's can't driving. have her on the show. But that's it. Like, it's she could have been on the show, right? Like, How? it's like the inciting incident where she, it's like it drives his heroic quest. That's like totally the definition of Yeah, bridging. but he's the hero. Right. <laughs> but like, there's... So, Oh yeah, go ahead. No, sorry. Um, so I think the idea is that this this story plot, like in and of itself, may not be super horrible, but the fact that it's used so much for so okay. many heroes, that, I can like, see that. So many times, the the woman in their life is killed just to motivate them, and that's the if only she's purpose. Interesting. It serves. It's like she's interesting, and so why can't but, we have her just like be? Uh, on but the I show? just I just wonder like. We can we also have bad things happen to them though, you know, because that's yeah, also interesting and that's Laura. drama. <laughs> like, no, I know, but you didn't find her death like sad, and you didn't find that she said to the Hulk that she loved him, but then later he's like, "I think you love me, but you never said." I mean, that's all good stuff. Yeah, right? that's good as far as like the story goes, but like well, it's not good that every time like smart women show up on television, they're okay. gonna die. By like the well, I suppose the... all the time, yes. Yeah, um, I was. I, but really, the what the with... problem? The problem is, is that Steve Trevor is alive again, even though he died. So he should just be dead. But because he's male, he's back. But nobody's writing about that. Nobody's um, complaining about that. We're all just saying, "Yay, woohoo! Wonder Woman eighty, woohoo!" But if he would just stay dead, then it'd be okay and balanced, and there wouldn't be this whole refrigerator thing, right? Kill male men is what I'm saying. <laughs> Killing Mormon, I, I mean, I'm not going to disagree. <laughs> like, like he died, and that motivated her to go Super Saiyan 7. But he's, and, like, the whole point of that movie. Like, he's through the entire movie, and then he comes back for the sequel. Like, that doesn't happen here, right? Like That's what I'm saying. So it should happen to him. Well, and, we're, and, we're, I mean, and we're all cool with that, it not. It's weird. Yeah. Like, I'm, I don't know. I think, like, bad things should happen to people, and that's what makes drama interesting. And I also think people should always, you know, not always be perfect all the time either. That kind of makes drama interesting. But what's weird is, like, if you flip it, like you're saying, women protagonists don't have the motivation of, like, their man being hurt or whatever. It's always them being hurt. 
right. or something like that. But here we have Wonder Woman with Steve Trevor. She sees him blow up. She cries and she goes super powerful, godlike, and kills the god the end of the movie. And now he's just back because he has testicles, I guess. I don't know. Pretty much. Yeah. So that's. <laughs> so just, I guess that's the problem. Really. That's the problem. <laughs> I know what I'm looking to to revive me from the dead. <laughs> no, but I was, I was thinking about this as we were coming up to the end of the movie because I knew, of course, that Elena wasn't in it, but I didn't remember exactly how the movie played out. So right. I was wondering, you know, um, even right up to the point where she died, I was wondering if she was going to like end up in the hospital and like maybe David was going to leave because he knew that being around her was in it was a danger to her. Yeah. Right. So if it had played out that way, Sarah, do you think you would feel differently about it? If like, if he chose to leave her because obviously he was a danger to her and that's how she exited the storyline. Yes. That would be a completely different feel. And then also, I mean, it's just like, there's two women in this and they both die gruesomely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and it's only, I mean, it's what, like 90 minutes or something. I don't remember how long it was, but yeah, it's two, uh, two episodes. So it's like the show begins with that and the show ends with that. So that is, Hey, bookends. <laughs> right. wow. Even more deep than I realized. But also, I mean, yeah, it would be cool to see her again. You know, I think that we should all be able to agree that it would be really cool if she like popped back into the show. She was badass. Yeah. 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 Uh, but I think their their thing was that there's not going to be a regular, other than uh, Mr. McGee, there's not going to be a regular uh, cast. Uh, it's going to be a new new place every episode. Well, okay, so this uh, this show is often compared, I think, very rightly because the format is all but identical um, to The Fugitive. Oh okay. right, yeah. Was The Fugitive and- first? The yeah, Fugitive, probably. yeah, was first by like 15 years. Um, the Fugitive is on in the comics era that we're discussing on the show. So um, in that, there's no regular character besides him and the cop who's pursuing him. But mm-hmm. there are some characters that like have a couple of appearances, like mm-hmm. family members that he usually stays away from, but he does see once or twice over the course of the series. So Elena definitely could have come back if they had left her alive, not as a regular, but like as a revisit um, down the road. This so is all I'm asking for. And maybe maybe they do that with other characters. I'm not sure, but yeah. But this this is this is like the fugitive. But if he turned into a green rage monster in every episode, <laughs> instead of them finding out that he's actually wanted for murder, I never well, thought you wanna, about it like that. You want to know it, what the producer says he based it on? What's that? Les Miserables. Because he hated comics, and they, of course, offered him the Hulk because he hated comics, so that made a lot of sense, Marvel. (laughs) And he's like, I don't want to produce this. But then he was reading that book, and he's like, oh, this could be interesting, a guy who's presumed dead and goes from town to town, like, being chased by a cop, but not a cop. Is that Jean Valjean? Is that the character's name? Yeah, Jean Valjean and Javert, and, you know, he's presumed dead, and he's pretending to be, you know, or he's supposed to be in jail, but instead, he adopts a new name and goes from city to city as he gets chased by a cop in the book, right? Uh, <laughs> there's no musicals in, in uh, The Hulk. But yeah. Anyway, that's what he claims. That's what he claims uh, why he changed it up. I've never about, heard that What about the David and Bruce thing? Did you hear that it was because they thought that Bruce was um, there's, like there's gay three, sounding? <laughs> there's three options. That's one of them. Yeah. And that's Lou Ferrigno's story. And he said it was the most ridiculous thing he'd ever heard. Uh-huh. Uh, but there was two others, and that was uh, uh, he didn't. The producer didn't like the alliterate alliterative quality of all the comic books he read. <laughs> Bruce Banner, Clark Kent, Lois Lane. So but he's that's like, God, like the whole appeal. Yeah, but he decided he just wanted nothing to do with comic books when it came to this mo- <laughs> came to this television show, which for the most part worked out for us. But yeah, so he changed it to David, and I can't remember what the third one was now. Uh. uh Man, there were really three, I think, but I can't remember. It when they was show one the, or all of them. When they show the uh, uh, gravestone at the end, it says David Bruce Banner. Yeah. I thinking about Bob Bruce Banner from the comics. Whenever mm-hmm. Stan got his name wrong a couple times and called him Bob Banner, then it is like, Bruce is his middle name. It's like, okay, Stan. That's, that's fine. <laughs> and he also wanted to uh, make Hulk red because he's like, red is a color of anger, man. 
Why would he not wow. turn red? And the Marvel was finally like, okay, okay, all these changes are great, but you can't change his color because oh, hello, green. <laughs> we have no. to leave this one. But <laughs> then later we get Red Hulk. <laughs> yeah, and we get later Red She Hulk. That's right. Both of I, whom I kind of liked. Yeah. So there you go. Kenneth Johnson invented the Red Hulk. <laughs> I think Ultimate She Hulk was red also. Is that right? Yeah. Um, okay. Let's see, I was going to say all that. Crap, what was it? I don't remember now. But um, the transformation scene. Yeah, yay. <laughs> I, I pulled Keenan in for this. He didn't. He he watches a lot of comic book stuff with me, but he's had a really busy week with school, and so I didn't try to pull him in for this. And so, but I did pull him in for the first transformation scene, and I love the transformation scene. I love the slow bulging. I love the shirt ripping. I love the face work that they do. How they slowly change. Bill Bixby into Lou Ferrigno, like they even yeah. paint Bill Bixby green and give him a bad wig and show him before they finally switch to Lou Ferrigno's face. And I'm pretty sure after season one, that all goes away. So it's really fun for the pilot where they're putting in all this effort <laughs> to do like the transition. Cause I think eventually it's like a cheaper budget. They just sort of focus on the same three ripping part pants parts. And yeah, I feel like you still get some ripping. On. Like the rip up the back, I think they show that oh, a yeah. lot. Maybe a oh, different yeah, rip yeah. up the back, but they get rip up the back. But like you were saying with this pilot, you get like Bill Bixby green, mm-hmm. and you know slowly changing. So there's like three or four stages of change. Whereas I think later they're just they just cut to it because it's cheaper. Well, the most important thing about the transformation scene is is that now he has gained the ability to lift a car, which yes, was his. His but he can't do failing. it on purpose. Right. It always has to be only in Hulk form. You know what I love is that his first Hulk out is because he is annoyed about changing a tire. And I totally. love that because I love that because it's like sometimes I think about the Hulk too much. And sometimes I think about like if I was the Hulk or normal people were the Hulk, wouldn't you just Hulk out all the time over the stupidest crap? In the grocery store, yeah. Yes. Definitely. A bank line, grocery store. I can't change this dumb tire. I don't know. The DMV wouldn't exist. The DMV would be gone. Nobody wants to change a tire in the rain. That is always the worst. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he's like, ah, I experimented on myself all night. Nothing even happened. (laughs) Ah! Okay. But you know what I liked about? Okay. So this, I thought about this. I I don't remember everything about this before. One of the things that this gets right that I feel like the comics kind of missed, missed the step on is that it's not just the gamma ray exposure that changed him. In the comics, he turns into Hulk because he gets mad. And in the show, he turns into Hulk, he gets mad. But in the comics, that's triggered by the gamma ray thing. His first Hulk out is because of the gamma ray. Uh-huh. Or is it? Now that I'm saying that. No, no in the not, comic? No. Oh, you're right. The comic did this too. He gets the gamma ray. It's he just like, screams for hours. It's night and day at first. Right. Okay. Okay. So yeah. So he gets the gamma ray, doesn't hulk out. He only hulks out when he's angry later. So it's a combination of the adrenaline, which they never say adrenaline in this. I always thought it was adrenaline. But. They say she, he says when he gets angry and then she says, okay, any extreme emotion. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's the better scientist. Yeah. And she also, figures it out. And also she tells him, you're not going to do anything bad because it's like hypnosis you'll probably just only do what you would be willing to do anyway which he also doesn't believe because she's a better scientist and that's why i'm pretty sure in later episodes he thinks that he somehow killed her and that's why the hulk is bad and should never come out you're right he does i remember that so it's like like, that's like the answer for why because sometimes i scratch my head going bruce why do you hate the hulk so much he saves your ass like constantly you know literally every episode yeah so in this case, he actually thinks the Hulk and therefore himself is a murderer. Uh, and Kenneth Johnson's kind of son, wrong. Kenneth Johnson's son is named David. That was the third reason. Oh, <laughs> it just popped into my head. Got it. That's why they picked David once they decided they didn't want to do Bruce. Mm-hmm. Um, it was probably the gay thing, though, and they're just backpedaling. I mean, it could be all of these things. Yeah, it honestly could be all, all three mixed together in one big probably. pot. Like, um, wouldn't be too shocked at like absurdist homophobia, like the homophobia where you're just like that. Wow. That just doesn't even make sense. Even if I tried, but like, mm-hmm. like people who like think pink shirts or whatever would make them gay or whatever, you know, yeah, all of those things. Um, yeah. but also, Hey, I have a kid that I want to flatter by putting him in like his name into mm-hmm. the show. That also yeah. makes sense. 
Also, yep. if it was one, you could just lie about the other <laughs> and be yep. like, hey, we are doing it for this kid. Well, it could be it could be a horrible reason he didn't want Bruce and a great reason why he wanted David. Both. Exactly. It could yep. be all of these things. Um, mm-hmm. And probably is if, you know, mm-hmm. if history tells us anything. Yeah. So speaking of Hulk, what do we think of the Hulk? I mean, Lou Ferrigno, come on. Oh, my God. Like really big. Okay. He is enormous. So, so the thing about him is like, I've seen him interviewed and he's always very proud of having played the Hulk, which is great. Mm-hmm. But I also wonder, like, maybe the cynic in me is like, could you just swap him out with anybody and it would have been a fine or, <laughs> or is he really doing something? And I don't know. Like he goes wild. He has a fun time. Um, I think he's doing something. Yeah. He's I like, doing something. he's got a vibe, right? He does have a vibe. I will say that. <laughs> I mean, the thing is the noises aren't his. He's, right. wearing, he's wearing a wig and a nose thing and contact lenses and he has a fake nose and every yeah he's got like a bulgier nose i think he's got a whole a brow thing or something like to make him look more like frankenstein and then uh uh they do the frankenstein thing with yeah, him where totally. he walks up like right. the bride of frankenstein thing uh-huh. where um he walks up to the little girl and is like yep. warned <laughs> and she's like yeah. okay monster yeah. but then um her dad thinks that he's attacking her and this is actually one of my very favorite parts was whenever he throws the dad through the air slow motion uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was actually to me i was like okay this is a good movie <laughs> after yeah. that happened. well if you know every hulk scene it's always slow motion and always will be slow motion yeah. because for some reason in the seventies between this and bionic man, they thought slow motion meant fast or it powerful. Got me. It really did. It, it, it does it help worked. convey mass. It does. You know, when I was a kid, I really liked the bionic man. And if you guys remember anytime he ran fast, it was in slow motion. Totally. So yeah. anytime my dad told me to hurry up, I went slower. <laughs> well, Godzilla films and Kaiju films and the, Giant Tokusatsu hero films, they slow those scenes down mm-hmm. slightly just, just to help convey the size and mass of everything. Um, but I'm going to say, say that Lou Ferrigno does bring something to the table, even though there's a lot of things going on to make the Hulk happen. Like, there's just an innocent quality. Like, you want to help the Hulk. I always feel yeah. like that when I watch this Hulk. It's like, oh, you're just confused, buddy. Here, let me take you to get some pancakes or something. You know, like. Right. He's just got like like a nice guy quality. Human, and you're just like, yeah, me too. Let's let's go hang out. You know what it is? Also, is he doesn't talk. He doesn't talk on the show. Yeah, the the actor is mostly deaf. Well, it said the producer didn't want him to talk, but I don't know if that was real or not, not, or if it was the not. Well, you can you 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 hear him talk in um in the in the the Hulk film, the modern one, the MCU one. Uh-huh. And he has a very accented English because of his hearing loss. Oh, yeah. So ever since a child, he had very, very difficult hearing. And um, so I would imagine that fed, at least fed, the idea of him not talking. But also just as a as a monster losing the ability to speak, having a big monster that has like a growly speech. I don't know. I feel like that might actually remove some of the gravitas from the Hulk. I don't know. Do you think it's worse or better? I think it would be worse for half him speaking. Oh, I do too. And at least in this context. Yeah. I think he conveys. I mean, he's doing better without speaking. It's fun in Ragnarok, but I wouldn't want it in this show. Yeah. He's just like, uh, like, like we said, like Sarah said, he's a Frankenstein. Although Frankenstein talks, I know, but like, uh, but he just kind of walks around looking confused and it works. Hashtag not. He makes, he makes growly noises. Sarah, did we lose you? Nope. I'm still here. I was just thinking. (laughs) I was making sure. (laughs) Yeah. I was thinking about how much I do like Lou Ferrigno as the Hulk and how, I mean, you know, it doesn't really matter at this point if I like it or not, because that's just what history is. And also, um, you know, people, people loved this show, right? Like this was like one of the first comic book shows. So I was kind of just like sitting with that for a second and being like, you know, back in the day, whenever people didn't have that much, you know, in the way of superhero media, this is something that came on like every single week. It was on for five seasons. That's almost as long as Xena ran. <laughs> it's quality yeah. drama. Even if you don't love the hero monster this thing, is, it's still good drama. This is what made Hulk Marvel's one of Marvel's two A-listers, basically. It's true. Yeah. It's interesting this because I feel like 
Yeah, he was such a big deal back then, and now it's like people really struggle with him. But then in like the uh, more recent MCU films, like he's done so well. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's interesting to think about <laughs> Hulk's media journey. I guess mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he had he had the '60s cartoon too, which I watched a lot. Not in the '60s, but so, I watched the yeah, '90s yeah. one. Um, yeah, I watched the '90s one also. But so he and Hulk and Spider Man always had like. The, the the outside of comic books franchise stuff going on. So That's everybody right. knew everybody knows what a Hulk and a Spider-Man are. And it's only way more recently that we know what an Ant-Man is. But <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you guys you guys want to know or do you know some of the people who auditioned to be the Hulk? Oh. Oh no, I want to hear. Well one was Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's pretty no brainer. But he was too short, so they decided they didn't like him. Oh dang. So then they thought, well, let's get really tall. And they got Jaws from Bond, Richard Keel. Can you believe that? Wow. Uh, okay. Yeah, because he's really tall. But then apparently uh, that son named David was like, yeah, dad, he's really tall, but he he's not buff. You know, <laughs> he's just kind of tall. <laughs> and also apparently he had eye trouble. So putting contacts in his eyes did not make him happy. So, yeah. Oh. Then they finally went with Lou Ferrigno because, you know, he's tall and buff. <laughs> they were like, you were the perfect one. <laughs> Do y'all know who's voicing the Hulk in these early seasons? No. Who? Ted Cassidy Lurch. <laughs> oh wow. Oh See, wow. I, this is weird because I saw that Jodie Foster, when she was 10, played Pugsley on the Adams Family cartoon. And I was literally just about to say, was it Jodie Foster? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Hey, Jodie Foster could do it. Yeah, she could. Um <laughs> Cassidy was the Hulk until he died, and then they brought in Charles Napier. Oh, my oh, God. The, uh, the hippie from Star Trek, right? Yes. I, yes, I think so. The guy with the guitar and the weird blue thing <laughs> on his forehead. Or he also got his face eaten off in uh, Signs of the Lambs. He was the cop, I think. Yeah, totally. He was Murdoch in the second Rambo movie. Uh, I haven't, <laughs> I've never gone past the first Rambo. I'm too scared. Yeah. First one was good, and it's like, does do we need more? I don't know. Does it feel like a need more situation? No. But who knows? <laughs> Maybe. So, so after he throws the dad, which is probably the best part <laughs> of the movie, um, <laughs> what else happens? Because I, it's like basically he kind of go, it's the same as usual, right? With all of the all of the people, but here, oh, we have we've never mentioned the fact that there is a reporter. Who is out of his mind? <laughs> like he's, he's kind of cool, like not cool in a cool way, but yeah. like I find him interesting because on the one hand he seems like a dogged, I got to get to the truth kind of guy, but on the other hand he works for a rag of a newspaper, right? Mm-hmm. And so he like, like pushes it to work? the point of it being like not cool, <laughs> like where you're just yeah. like, hey, you're supposed to respect people though, like yeah. that's a big part of journalism, like. Uh-huh. Like, you, you don't have to respect, like, a senator in their office or something. Like, you can just, like, camp out there, you know? But this is, like, people who are just like, hey, we're, like, really going through something. Can you give me a minute? And he's just yeah. like, nope. <laughs> no, I'm going to break in and kill your girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it is part of maybe older stereotype tropes of reporters just being too right. nosy for their own good. And um, being on a bit of a rag of a newspaper kind of makes you feel like the guy himself is going to be slimier, too, as a result. True. But I also got the feeling like he wouldn't ideally want to work at a rag of a newspaper. But I don't know if we get more character development of him subsequently. <laughs> you know, in future episodes, I can't remember. Yeah, we'll but, have to uh, figure out if McGee makes a return. No, he makes a return. He follows him around, but like, does he talk about why he's on a rag of a paper? You know, does like, he talk uh, about why he follows her around, but uh, or follows him around, but Lorraine dies? Because he's a monster. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. The bottom of it. Why Elena dies, but Jack McGee gets to go on. Yeah. Um, so do y'all know that this character or a version of this character is in the MCU Hulk film? No. Version of <laughs> Jack McGee? Yeah. No. So um, whenever they do the whole thing on the college campus uh, with Hulk and the army unit, and that's where he like kicks Abomination in the face and uh-huh. breaks all yeah. of his bones. Yeah. So after that, there's some news spots and they talk to two college kids from the journalism department. Oh. One is James Wilson, and one is Jack McGee. Oh, boy. So you have a comics character and the TV character making an appearance in the in the movie. What? Yeah. Well, he didn't have much to do, but for some reason I found him like 
interesting enough to want to know like how he got <laughs> his, <laughs> however he got wherever he got. So I don't know well, if they ever go it, into that, but it, it could be like the um, Philip Gerard character in The Fugitive, where most of the time when you see him, he's just like five minutes behind uh-huh. the uh, the plot, but occasionally they'll do more like you know spotlights on his character and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if they do that. He they definitely do the five minutes behind thing. I don't know if they do the, you know, who he is thing, but maybe. No idea. No idea either. <laughs> there they are did, eight, it, they did it in the pilot. But that's the thing. Like, he's interested in the truth, but then in the end, it's like he publishes a headline that says, Monster Kills Two People. It's like, uh, <laughs> so you kind of like the truth, but you also kind of like sensationalism. And... Yeah, he's he's J. Jonah James, Jameson. Basically, and yeah. That On that front, he's just yeah. like, you know what? I just... Is that where this character came from? <laughs> like, although, like, although a monster did kill two people, sort of. I mean, there was a way. monster. So he's not lying about the monster part. But sure. yeah, he didn't really do a lot of deep investigation either, I don't think. <laughs> the real monster was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> like, like how? why does he think, they don't really get into it, but why does he think David Banner is dead? Was there a body? He didn't find anything. Nobody uh, found anything. So did he think the monster ate David Banner or what? <laughs> I don't know. They don't really get into it. So that's the sensationalism, I guess. Yeah, yeah I guess with, with the fire and the explosions and the monster there and oh, a yeah. complete disappearance of Elena and David, mm-hmm. I assume they find Elena's body and they can assume that David died. The, I don't know. There's yeah. definitely some supposition going in. It's not. I don't think it's totally unreasonable supposition, but it's definitely mm-hmm. supposition. I guess we don't know what he wrote either. We just know the headline. Maybe on the inside he wrote, she magically survived somehow, or, and we don't know what's going on, but. <laughs> Yeah, and not survived, but got out of the the lab somehow before dying. Right, the headlines don't always match the story. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my God, McGee. So, uh, the crazy thing about this film is so much of it should be dry and boring. Mm-hmm. Right, and yet it's performed and played and scripted too. Um, just a lot more interesting than it has any right to be. Yeah, the dialogue's really good. It's kind of great, actually. It's surprisingly great. Uh, so, John and I, as far as our Hulk reading up to this point in the show, have not found a love or an interest or even a character beat for Bruce Banner, like, <laughs> at all. Zero. As yeah. a person, he's really not a character. He's nothing. Yeah, he's, nothing. he's just like, I'm being haunted by this, like, monster, and then... Oh, if, even, if even that much yeah i was gonna say we don't even get that like, he's just, he's just he, he hardly ever gets to even show up but um right like just a witness for the hulk basically but uh conversely like i can watch uh an hour and 50 minutes of david banner and just get 10 minutes of the hulk and be happy you know like oh totally well I'm, I don't know if that's I don't know if by the time the comics get to the 70s, we get more Bruce Banner and they're going by that at all. But I seriously doubt it. I think they just um, made it happen for this show. Mm-hmm. And maybe this show is what helped to inspire more Bruce usage later. Maybe if they give us more Bruce usage later. I don't know. I th- isn't that whenever Peter David like does a lot more with Bruce? And he does for a while and then he merges them all together. So there's no Bruce Banner at all. It's all just. Smart Hulk and stuff. So I don't right. know. Yeah. Well, Bill, yeah. How how far have you all made it into Hulk? Astonish like, eighty five. Uh, last I read, he, he is finally turning into Hulk Smash Hulk and caring about Betty again. So uh, oh yeah, they just okay. So they've revealed that uh, Bruce Banner is the Hulk because Rick thought Rick Hulk Rick thought Hulk was dead, and then they've just had their first like Bruce and Betty sitting in a cave her trying to understand how this could possibly be Bruce kind of moment. Mm, Okay. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think most of the Hulk reading I've done, I did like the first bunch of issues of the the incredible Hulk, but then it was later. Like, I think I started around like 200 or something like that, which was still pre Peter David. Um, And I still remember during that time, like there's more Bruce, like you get to see him kind of like strike out on his own and be like loner guy and stuff like that. But yeah, there's still there still isn't too, too much until, yeah, basically like Peter David. It's kind of the reverse. It's like in the comics, Bruce is Hulk's weakness. 
Right. But in this show, Hulk is David's weakness. You know, totally. like mm-hmm. he, he goes to the town and he wants to just help people. And the Hulk freaking gets in his way because some idiot pushes him in a ditch or whatever. Right. Which is kind of how everything. the first issue or two was played. You know, the original, like that six issue series of the Hulk. Like mm-hmm. early on, Bruce was actually doing stuff and turning into the Hulk was like, oh, why is this happening again? Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, they realized that the green rage monster is why people are reading the comic. And so why yep. turn into Bruce when you can just be the Hulk all the time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this is better. I mean, I think this that this is, is really good to have him be uh, more present because yeah. I mean, Hulk is fun, but yeah, there, there's times when I'm reading Hulk comics and I'm like, are, are we still, <laughs> are we still, <laughs> are we still doing this? <laughs> yeah. So most of the time it's great. Like, don't get me wrong. It's really fun to read a comic where this guy just walks around smashing things with his fist. But like, yeah, sometimes you're just like, I mean, come on. Like, there has to be a little bit more going on, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but there isn't usually. Um, <laughs> this yeah. show is good, though, because of that, I think. Like, I think that it that's it's it's a highlight right it's like it's strength yeah. is is that it does a really good david banner so yeah. it doesn't really matter with like the hulk like the hulk's in it and it's for fun and it's like you know it's the part that happens where it's like oh no he's gonna turn into the hulk sometime and then uh-huh. it's just like oh he did and like yeah. then the the episode can wrap you know um <laughs> but yeah this is way better i love this i think that it's really good and i like david banner a lot i don't always love bruce banner so i'm glad that there's this kind of interesting take on him and i mean uh, the hulk is like is like in some ways the ultimate power fantasy like if you read comics or if you read superhero comics on some level you like power fantasies mm-hmm. um and you know it's one thing to be superman all the time but the hulk is like no he's a he's a weak dork like me but then if someone pushes me in a ditch, I have this secret awesome power that comes out that, and I get to turn the tables. And it feels better when that happens um, and they're, they're building up their normal weak dork version first versus the, car, the comic book where it's just constantly I'm, you know, I'm Superman punching things all the time. So like Bill Bixby, like you like this guy and feel for him and want him to succeed in things. And then when someone's mean to him, it's like, yay, Hulk comes out and protects him totally yeah it's a way more fun dynamic mm-hmm. um <laughs> but what else happens in this that's pretty much it right yeah i, I was actually I mean, just trying to think um i have one more factoid that i was going to mention but i can't okay. think of any other like i mean characters are solid you know okay so i was sitting there watching and after having watched captain america and captain <laughs> america 2 death to baloo you glad we watched um, that first <laughs> And knowing that 70s TV can be 70s TV, I wasn't expecting super awesome performances. Mm-hmm. But I was just, other than other than the kid who's just a little off, because child actors always are just a little off, like, every performance in this is really, really well done. And the mm-hmm. opening act just really grabs you with, um, you know, all the different characters coming in and telling their stories they're just, you know, little one scene character actors and they're right. they're great. I forgot uh, about that, but yeah, that part is really fun. I like that a lot. Who's that guy? Who's that guy named Roger or something like that? Yeah. Who's Roger. the guy who kept changing all the dials? It was Roger, right? Oh, maybe. Oh, the and one who had... like labeled the thing <laughs> wasn't really <laughs> and then he, anymore. And then he's like, Oh, by the way, I augmented it to two million and forgot to write it down or whatever. But um It was like no one uses this but me. I'll fix it tomorrow. Yeah. But I think he had one scene, and I really made me laugh. Like David's, like, or they were talking about like gamma coming through. What was it, the ozone layer or sunspots or something like that? And he's like, "So this is the this is the whole uh, you know the last five years or whatever of of gamma spikes." And the guy's like, "Yeah, I think it was Roger." He's like, "Yeah." He's like, "And you're and and gamma has been known to affect biology, right?" And Roger's just like, "I don't know." <laughs> I've never heard of that happening. He's like, no, I'm certain that it has. You're right. David Banner is a crap scientist. I I want to give I want to defend him and just say he's going through a crap time. Otherwise, he would be a better scientist. I think Maybe. she was she was just keeping him in line because he wasn't thinking straight. Probably. That's funny though, because yeah. I love that. I love that line too, where where she she dig, digs deeper into the DNA and finds all these 
unusual whatever they call them spikes or something in their blood that they all share and david's like and that's something i don't have so that's why i can't lift the car and she's like well actually do you have it we don't know you're the control group and we haven't compared this to the control group yet so why are you assuming scientist and he's like oh my god you're right (laughs) duh and then he did have it got really upset because there was more there was there was something external operating something external operating something external (laughs) what's the common denominator there's something external operating as they were saying them in the show i was like oh yeah they're gonna say this a lot later aren't they yeah yes (laughs) so my other fact what i was going to mention is that not only does ted cassidy voice um the hulk but he also does that opening narration bit that's in the beginning of every episode physician scientist that's lurch saying all that stuff and i love that yeah that's pretty sweet not jodie foster but no just as good she could do it (laughs) she is Um, capable she has the range okay who's I I just killed the conversation sorry by saying who's out loud for no reason but i was just like (laughs) i was thinking who wrote that piano music because i don't really know but now i know but i don't know who that is it's called the lonely man theme I don't know if that's who did this, actually. Oh, the show's on... Joe Harnell? Yeah. He's the composer. Joe Harnell. And I was like, well, what else has he done? But it's like, nothing. Oh, I don't know. Bionic Woman. He did Bionic Woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are his two big uh, TV credits with the Bionic Woman and the Incredible Hulk. Oh, also um, Alien Nation and V, for which he got an Emmy nomination. Oh, my God. His son guy. is the voice actor for Wacko Warner. What? Jesse Harnell. What? Because that has nothing to do with this pilot, but interesting. That is extremely interesting to me. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up watching Animaniacs like seven times a day. We had like oh, yeah, VHS so. tapes where we like recorded all of the Animaniacs. There's so there you go. Our slacks, Bill Clinton on the sax. So yes. Wacko's, Wacko's dad created or wrote the Lonely Heart, whatever piano wow. music. Wow! Also, this guy did V, which is an Alien Nation, both of which were amazing. So mm-hmm. that's a, I mean, this guy rules. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, that piano theme is pretty good. It's pretty great. It's okay. one of those themes that they use elsewhere eventually at some point. Yeah, much like Superman's theme and Batman's theme, things like that. Bring it back to the MCU. Yeah, I keep finding random crap that's super interesting to me. Okay, so the other show that. Uh, Bixby did the courtship of Eddie's father. Um, the child in that, the actor's name was Brandon Cruz, and he was a novice actor. And he and Bixby struck up a really strong rapport that lasted all the way to the end of Bixby's life. Um, whenever Bill Bixby's only son died in 19, or I'm sorry, only child died in 1981, they got even closer until Bixby died in 93. Wow. And, um, Cruz named his own son Lincoln Bixby Cruz. Wow. So that's cute and adorable. And also I know sad. the Hulk, the Hulk theme song just started playing <laughs> over that story. <laughs> he seems like a good guy. Yeah. And he's good at playing a good guy. So it's that's true. cool. Yeah. Here's to you, Bill Bixby. Yep. You were a real one. So yeah, I think I'm running out of things to say. We uh, were just under the hour mark, which is usually what we kind of aim for these things anyway, but it's a simple story, but it's so well done. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's hard to find on a free streaming service. Uh, actually, even if you want to purchase your streaming through Amazon, the pilot episode is currently unavailable to stream, um, but you can go to the NBC app and watch it with ads for free. Yay. You can watch it at myemployer.com. Oh, really? NBC Universal. Yeah, they own the Sci Fi Channel. Oh, so that's like, right. that's why I said how much I liked this movie. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Making so like, money on this episode. You're the company that owns the company that you work for. So they're like your grandparent employer? Pretty much, yeah. Well, I mean, all of my paychecks say NBC Universal. So. So can okay. you watch this on the sci-fi? Is there a sci-fi app? Can you watch it? On you know that? what? No, um, I can't. I don't get free television. And in fact, um, <laughs> well, because like Xena is on the website, but I don't have a cable program. So uh, I had this whole thing recently where um, I was doing live tweeting of Xena episodes and 
I was like, oh, I'll just watch it on the internet. And they were like, no, you have to watch like the actual cable streaming. And I was like, is there like a pass for that? And they're like, um, you could sign up for a free trial of cable. <laughs> and I'm oh, like, God, okay. that'd take forever to set up though. It did. It was, I was really glad that I planned for extra time that day. Cause I almost never do. And it was a great day for me to have done so because <laughs> I was like on, on like the clock and just being like, I gotta hurry. So like 10 minutes before. And then of course the cable, that I signed up for, um, like for some reason, like the streaming just didn't, uh, transmit sound. So I just only had the visual. So I was trying to live tweet while like reading like the closed captions. Uh-huh. Um, so that was quite a, t- a challenge, but yeah, you don't get, uh, you don't get any kind of free <laughs> television. No free sci-fi. We work for sci-fi. <laughs> well, the NBC we, thing worked for me. Yeah. The yeah. sci-fi app is, is, uh, you have to pay for, for cable to get stuff through okay. there. So yeah. the NBC app, you can, there's some stuff you can get for free. Yeah. Oh, along I mean, with Bionic oh, sorry, for $6 yeah. million dollar man and Knight Rider, if anybody cares. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You can watch, uh, I, I don't know. I didn't have too many problems. I didn't think there was like too, too many commercials on this. That no, was then, fine. Yeah. And I was like doing stuff while I was watching it. So that was fine. Um, same with like if you just watch like stuff at sci-fi.com if i watch like xena episodes or something there's like a few ads but it's like there were in (laughs) the original showings of xena too so made it easy but yeah i don't know at some point you got to go to the bathroom and then at some point you need a drink and then at some point that makes you have to go to the bathroom again and then you need another drink and it's just a perpetual cycle so commercials are important yeah, in that way, yeah. There's times when I'm like, no, I'm not getting up. I'm watching a movie. <laughs> like, But for this, it was fine. Like I said, I just like clean the whole time. So this is definitely something if you just want to watch it while you're like cleaning the house or like something along those lines. I thought that it was like really good. And there's parts where you'll, you'll like stop and watch it. But overall, you can kind of just like, you know, run errands <laughs> while you're watching mm-hmm. it. Go to the bathroom, do all of the things. I just I um I have a list of stuff from the eighties that I want to get around to watching so bad. I completely forgot the alienation and V existed. Oh my god. So yeah. there are things yeah. I only spot I only caught sporadically as a child that I've always like been interested in. So I'm gonna put those on the list. They don't oh, have yeah. a lot of seasons either, so you could watch those fast probably. That's yeah. true. Yeah. I remember watching Alien Nation. I have no idea how it holds up, so forgive me if I'm <laughs> sending you in the direction of something that is not great, but I remember watching it as a kid and being really oh. into it. I do too, but also have zero memory of whether it is actually good, but I, I've seen the movie within the last 10 years, and that was pretty good. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Cool. With James With James Caan and whoever the heck created the alien, played the alien, I forget. But yeah, yeah got to kick off with the movie, and then, you know, they turned that, it into a Starman Man, TV show. Is that Mandy Patinkin or Terrence Stamp? I thought it was who as the main guy, the cop. Uh, there are three character. There are three starring names on the on the thing I'm looking at: James Caan, Mandy yeah. Patinkin, and Terrence Stamp. I don't know which one. Oh, the I alien. think Mandy Patinkin might have been the alien, huh? Caan was the cop, the human. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Yeah, it's been a while, but it was good. All yeah. right. <laughs> Watch Alien Nation and The Incredible Hulk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and V. And uh, speaking of Hulk, so we mentioned this last time. I think we mentioned this last time. Maybe we didn't. But um, this is actually the first of three Hulk episodes we'd like to do. Maybe not back to back to back if, it, if something else comes up, but, you know, mm-hmm. like we're going to do. Or- yeah, like Black Widow comes out. Um, but we are going to do the three uh, Hulk films. This from the TV series and the 2000-something mm-hmm. Hulk film Angley. and the 2008 Incredible Hulk film. Mm-hmm. So we're going to kind of do those and just sort of, you know, compare, contrast, like what we like, not like what we don't like, and just have some hulking times. Hulking mm-hmm. times. So, yeah. So that's on the docket for the future um, we also had maybe plans to do New Mutants this episode, but it has not come to on demand yet, and we are not going to a theater. So uh, we'll do that later, whenever I'm we so can. Mad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. People have seen it, and I haven't yet. And I'm, I want. Oh, see really? It. I haven't seen anybody talk about it, other than in a negative way, without seeing it. Yeah, I've, I've seen, seen a lot of that. Now talk about it in a negative way with seeing it, but oh, okay. I saw. <laughs> I saw more talk about it in a negative way without seeing it for sure. Yeah. I saw a post that is like, you know what? I love New Mutants and I don't care what you have to say about it. 
Okay. And they had a really awesome gif of um, um, yeah. crap magic. What's her name? Ilyana. Ilyana, yes. There's always that one John guy on Twitter. <laughs> Me? <laughs> you know, who likes it. Who likes stuff. Gosh darn him. It's like, dang it. He's ruining the average. Right, right. Okay, <laughs> that, that's my job, though, is to ruin the average. <laughs> that's right. Skew everything to the positive. That's my goal. Uh-huh. Yep. All right, so, um, yeah, next time we'll probably do another Hulk film unless Black Widow comes out or something else happens to get in our way. Mm-hmm. Um, Sarah... What's up? How what's uh what you got in the fire right now that you want to talk about? Oh, good God. Um, well, I've just have been still settling into moving and stuff, so that's been the biggest thing that I've been working on, honestly. Uh, but I have my first polygon article is about to come up and it's my defense of Hawkman as a wife guy. And um that is going to be really great. Oh, and I've been writing for uh, Manor Vellum. So I've been doing this series of horror essays. I started with uh, Eyes Without a Face. The most recent one I did, I believe, was uh, The Other Lamb, which is a cult movie. So check those out. Um, there's another episode on the feed. So go check that out where we are talking about comics as opposed to this episode where we're talking about not comics. And uh, that will be coming out every week and we'll be back in a month. Um, to do more movies. So thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.